Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. My name is Lenny Manah-Hoppenworth, and I'm calling from Andersonville. I'm affiliated with Indivisible IL-9, Indivisible Illinois, Anti-Racist Andersonville, the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. I'm a proud constituent of the 48th Ward, and I welcome you here to this grassroots town hall with Alderman Harry Osterman. Today, we're gonna talk about the ECPS ordinance, and we're very happy to have Ben Jarofsky here, my teammate from the Chicago Reader, moderating this town hall. The first half will be Harry Osterman with Ben Jarofsky, and the second half is going to be with the community asking questions of our aldermen. So I want to remind everyone to please put yourself on mute if you're here in the Zoom. Um, also that we are live streaming this town hall on Indivisible Illinois Facebook page, and we will also download it. Welcome everybody. And at this time, I would like to pass it. Hopefully, Ben Jarofsky, you're able to unmute yourself, introduce yourself and get this event going. All right, Lenny, can you hear me? Yes, I can't. Oh, I can't see on. you though, Ben. You can't see me? No, how I don't know why that is, man. You know, this technology stuff, <clears throat> I'm just an old baby boomer. Now, unlike uh, all you young people out there, like young Harry Osterman, alderman of the 48th Ward. Uh, so you just uh, have to, to hear me for a while. I don't know why you can't see me. And uh, so I'm with the Chicago Reader, a political writer, as Lenny said, and the host of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, Lenny asked me to uh, interview Harry. I was happy to uh, do whatever Lenny tells me. Uh, folks, that's just, just a general philosophy I follow in life. Uh, if Lenny asked me to do something, I do it. Uh, it'll get you far in this world. So without further ado, Harry Osman, welcome to the show. Ben, good to see you, even though we don't see you. <laughs> good to hear you. I've got the image of your picture from the reader, so uh, I'm, I'm good with your screen and your name. Okay, I have no idea. It's just appropriate, Harry, that my camera doesn't work because I got this weird thing about Zoom anyway. So it's just my uh, computer's way of defying Zoom. Ben, ben, I, ben, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna interrupt you and try to ask you to try to hit your video so we can see you because we would love to see your face. And while you're trying to do that, I'm gonna pass it to Joel, who's gonna introduce himself and give us an action that's coming up that we can write into our calendar and show up for. Um, Joel. Everyone, my name is Joel Thorson. My, I use he, him pronouns. And I just recently moved from the 48th Ward to Rogers Park. So if you're in that neighborhood, it's great to meet your neighbors. And I'm glad that everyone is here. Uh, 
We actually have a couple of actions that are happening this weekend that we'll talk about at the very end of this event, but I do want to bring up this thing that is happening tomorrow. If you are watching uh, at home over Facebook Live, tomorrow at 9 a.m. in front of the Thompson Center, uh, our friends over at CARPER, which is the Chicago Alliance Against Racism and Political Repression, is going to be doing a rally in favor of ECPS for a lot of the reasons that we're going to be talking about tonight and specifically with what happened on Friday. So that's my spiel. Uh, I'd like to pass it back to Ben. Thanks, Joe. Ben, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm pushing every little button. I Oh, here we go. Wait, look at that. Hold on now. Allow access. Come on, there we go. The ratings just went up because my uh, screen is not working. Uh, so uh, I'll pick up where I left off, Harry Osterman. We're gonna be talking about this, what went down at Friday's meeting. I'm really curious to get your thoughts on it. I already had have a podcast, ladies and gentlemen, that we just promoted, The Ben Jarofsky Show, sponsored by my beloved Chicago Reader. And today on the show, uh, Harry, we had your colleague, uh, Raymond Lopez, uh, and he gave his view of went down uh, at the meeting on uh, Friday. And um, so let's just in the most general way uh, set the table, Harry, if you would. Just tell folks, what was on the agenda at the meeting Friday and what sort of should have happened as opposed to what happened? Let me, before I do that, take a step backwards um, to February. So February, um, we had a public safety committee meeting where um, there were two ordinances that were queued up for a vote. Uh, many people on this call have been involved in these ordinances for a number of years. One was an ordinance called the GAPA ordinance and what was an ordinance called the CPAC ordinance and both called for civilian oversight of CPD in different formats. Um, at the 11th hour last minute, um, the mayor and Chris Taliaferro, the chairman of public safety canceled that meeting. Um, at that time, um, myself, the other sponsors of the ordinances and the coalitions behind each of them started to sit down earnestly to work on a compromise ordinance. And we spent the next few months working, um, you know, around the clock, week to week to forge out the empowering communities ordinance for public safety. And it's really important to understand the, the coalition um, from all sides that came together to do that. People that in the past um, had not always worked side by side, but basically know that um, it's critical for us as a city to have civilian oversight of CPD. And we worked to forge an ordinance that is um, a very well-rounded, solid ordinance. Um, so we were queued up for a vote on Friday. Um, as we were getting to that vote during last week, um, there were a lot of concessions that were being made to try to make sure that we have the votes. Now, it's critical to understand that the ordinance, the way it was drafted, needs 34 votes, a supermajority in the city council to pass because there's an electoral provision to do that. Um, so at the last minute, um, CARPER, um, organization that was supportive of the CPAC ordinance, um, with many other people involved, made the decision uh, to try to get this ordinance passed they wanted to and suggested and were okay with an amendment of the ordinance, which did two things, basically. It took off um, the referendum portion. There was a, uh, a, a referendum provision that if the referendum 
would pass um, would basically um, create a secondary overlay um, oversight provision. Um, they decided that in the interest of trying to get the ordinance passed that they would take that off of the ordinance. The other change was a change in dates to create a, um, uh, an interim ordinance. Um, so if the ordinance is passed, it basically would trigger elections in the um, November of 22 to create district councils that would lead to a commission that would have civilian oversight of CPD. That change was drafted in a substitute and literally in the evening before, the morning before um, the coalition decided in the best interest, this was the way to go to get the ordinance passed in public safety committee and then also onto the floor of the city council and get it passed and have it become the law. Um, we submitted that substitute early in the morning. And when I say early in the morning, I mean, literally, you know, I was on the phone with colleagues of mine at seven o'clock in the morning and midnight the night before. Um, it's a technical change, should not have been that big of a deal to do that. We had the votes lined up in committee to adopt the substitute. And the goal was to put this in the most passable form, but also in a form that would create strong civilian oversight, um, something that we've all longed for for you know four to five years or longer. Many of us have been working on this for many, many years. Um, the chairman of the committee, Chris Taliaferro, as well as um, other members of the committee, basically use parliamentary procedures to block us adopting that substitute. Um, because they blocked that acceptance of the substitute, um, other people were reluctant on the committee to support the underlying ordinance. And so what we tried to do a number of times in committee was to have the um, substitute adopted. One of the arguments was that it was given to the members of the committee in a quick time frame without time for them to absorb it. So after we tried and, and were not successful in having the substitute adopted, um, we tried to recess until Monday morning uh, yesterday so that people could have over the weekend to read the ordinance, uh, understand the change, and then vote on it uh, in the affirmative to get it passed. And then we would take it to city council tomorrow and get it passed. Um, the people that were opposed to this and, and the folks who are opposed, I would, I would say on the committee are, are typically people that don't wanna see any reform at all to CPD. Um, they blocked that procedure to recess. So myself and um, Alderman Sawyer and others who were trying to advance this and did not wanna see the ordinance fail um, on Friday, um, motion to adjourn the committee. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell, what went down on Friday. I think that um, it was very clear to everyone that was watching or should have been clear. I think the media uh, picked up on it fairly well. The Tribune, the Sun-Times, a number of places um, did articles about what went down, um, basically showed the effort to stop this and to stop um, the effort to get civilian oversight of CPD. Um, my colleagues in the city council and the whole coalition of people um, are, are focused and vigilant and um, have a, a lot of resolve and we are gonna continue to move forward. Um, 
tomorrow. We're not expecting that there'll be any vote, but um, we are going to have a public safety committee meeting in July. And the goal is to have an up or down vote on the ordinance um, in the July city council. So we're going to be doing everything in our power to make sure we've got the votes needed and um, we're going to get it passed. So that is our goal. And that's what we're focused on. And and quite honestly, everybody who can help, who can email an alderman, I think all that um, all that moves us in the right direction. All right, Harry. A uh, number of questions popped to mind based on uh, what your uh, your recitation there. The first question is this: if you if you think you had the votes uh, to pass the ordinance, the substitute ordinance, and it gets confusing, folks. There's so many different ordinances flying around, but the substitute ordinance, the compromise ordinance, already a compromise of a compromise in many ways. Uh, if you had, if you thought you had the votes to pass it, how come you didn't have the votes, therefore, to recess until Monday and set up a Monday meeting, uh, at which point Talia Farrell would have to uh, call for a vote on whether you pass the so substitute? That's a great question. I think that what happened was that there were a number of people who had given me commitments to support the substitute if it was adopted. And because the chairman blocked it and he used the, the, the rationale, which I don't agree with, but um, that's the rationale he used that there wasn't enough time to absorb and read a uh, substantive ordinance. Um, a lot of people kind of fell behind that argument. Okay. Um, the, the changes that I referenced before about the referendum and the dates, those are very clear, easy things to understand. Um, so they use that. So basically what I'm saying, Ben, is that there are people that committed to, to vote for the substitute, but from they did not want to, um, I guess, side against the chairman. I think that this happened a little bit today on a different issue, but um, that's kind of what went down. So what we're doing basically, and I've got a stack in my hand that's going to be going under my arm tomorrow uh, to City Hall, and each of them is going to get a nice copy from me right in front of them so that they're not going to be able to hide behind lost in the email or didn't get time to read it. All right. Uh, and the other question I had, by the way, I know exactly what you're talking about when there was a push, but once there was that push, I know what you're talking about, Harry. Once there was the pushback, the people were like, you know, maybe it's a little tricky. Uh, there's a lot of attention on this. Now I want to hold off before I'm de openly defying Talia Faro and uh, obviously mayor Lightfoot. So, all right. Uh, now, a compromise was made to remove the referendum. Tell folks, Harry, what exactly the referendum would have done. So the referendum was a binding referendum that would have created uh, a nine member commission and given it certain powers related to hiring and firing of the superintendent of police, budget making authority, contractual authority. Um, so basically it would have put um, a, a different version, but what it would have done was, and, and um, why I supported it was, this would be something that would go to Chicagoans where they would have a chance to vote on it. And if the people of Chicago decide that that's the form of commission that they want, I think that I'm willing to abide by that. Um, it's putting faith in the voters of the city to do that. Um, and as part of the compromise and the coalition that was built um, between the various organizations, I think that was something I supported. I think that, um, and I would vote for that in committee and I'd vote for it on the floor. Um, I think what happened was um, that was an issue that was, um, there were some aldermen that were opposed to that. Um, so I think in the interest of moving this forward, and I think it's important to say that it was um, 
it was a significant step for, for Carper to decide to do that. And they did that um, with a great deal of thought and a lot of consultation amongst their members. Um, so it was important for us as a coalition to kind of try to advance that quickly. And I think that that's our goal is to keep the coalition together. I think a lot of the folks that have been involved in this have been working on this for years. And, um, you know, so I think it's, it's, um, it's important. And I will tell you that we're all working side by side together and we're going to continue to be vigilant on this. Harry, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the issue with the referendum. And I already had this conversation with uh, Raylo today. Uh, I'm an old fan of Pat Quinn. I don't know what your opinions of Pat Quinn are, Harry, but I'm a big fan of Pat Quinn and Pat started with referendum. And it seems to me in a contentious issue like police oversight and elected school board for that matter, Harry, put it to the people. Everybody has an opportunity. The Nick's Posados of the world who are absolutely opposed to civil uh, civilian overview, the uh, Napolitanos of the world who are opposed to it, the Harry Ostermans who are in favor of it, and go to the people and push for whatever form they want and the voters will decide. Why is there this reluctance, in your opinion, Harry, to put these matters in the hands of the people? We saw this with Mayor Rahm all the time with the elected school board. He used all sorts of maneuvers to keep the public from voting on an elected school board. Why is there this reluctance to keep the public from having a say on a matter uh, like police oversight? Go ahead. So I think um, what I would say is some of the people, some of the aldermen, um, who have raised concerns relates to the hiring and firing of the superintendent of police. And I think that any mayor of the city wants to have that ability to hire and fire the police. I think there were some issues related to the budget and um, city council having the ability to have a budget um, on, on the police department and, and the other various agencies. And the other part is the contractual issues. Um, those are issues that people raise. And I think those are issues that, um, you know, the FOP contract is one that um, has not been ratified, is being negotiated, will ultimately come to the city council for a vote. Um, I think the overall ordinance, you know, with or without the referendum, there's a lot of checks and balances built into it, but it advances civilian oversight and it, it for the first time brings community folks, community representatives to the table uh, when we're looking at policy like foot chase policy, or we're looking at you know, the Anjanette Young tragedy and, and, and the, the, uh, the warrants and things like that. So um, all of these things, you can't have community policing without community. And I think that when we look at the issue of trust within the city between residents and CPD, um, there's a huge cavern. And I think for us to have a safe city, um, you know, we have to close that. And there's got to be trust that's been established and reestablished. So, um, I think, you know, if that answers the question. Well, I guess the I understand why people were posed to specifics of uh, the, the question that was being put to voters. I understand that, like that referendum would have established, put, given the commission the power to hire and fire a, a police chief, Harry. I know that's a very controversial matter in the city of Chicago. I completely understand there are people who oppose that. But why is there opposition to allowing voters 
to have a direct say in that. Because if the Spazados of the world can convince the voters of Chicago that we should not allow a commission to name a police chief and it should be in the hands of the mayor, then the voters will follow Spazado's lead in a referendum. So why is there a reluctance in general to allowing voters in the city of Chicago to decide important policy like this? So the short answer is I don't know. And you, you know, you're gonna have to get Nick Spazato on the show. Um, I don't know that he's gonna come, but I think that, um, you know, I will tell you that um, I, trust, I trust the will of the voters, always have. And um, I think that in this case, um, in this case, you know, there's some that are reluctant to do that. I think that um, one of the other important aspects of the ordinance is creating the district councils and the overall ordinance allows for each police district to elect three people that would serve on a local district council, but also have a voice in who's nominated for superintendent of police, who's nominated for the police board. Um, so those are, and also work side by side in each district. So whether it's 20th district, which serves Andersonville, Edgewater, the 24th district in Rogers Park, um, it's an extension of community policing to work on local issues. And also, I think proactively say, what can we do to bring people together to add safety, you know, and especially when we look at what's going on around the city with violence, um, a lot of things that we have done successfully locally are when we partner with residents and the neighbors and, and create safe space. So um, I think those are a huge role, but um, there's a reluctance. And I think, I think the bottom line is this, where all this is going is it's going to be a vote in the city council. And I think that that's ultimately with transparency, people are going to see where everyone stands. It's not going to be parliamentary procedures on a Friday morning in public safety committee. It's going to be an up or down vote on the city council floor. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, ran as a supporter, a proponent of a civilian oversight board. In many ways, it was the issue, Harry, you know this, you're a political junkie, that uh, made her a viable candidate. And uh, she won with 75% of the vote. 75% of the vote. It was a trouncing, a trashing of Tony Kirkwinkle. So it would seem to me that she had a lot of freedom to enact one of her first campaign promises. 75% of the vote, I'll repeat that. Okay, you got 100% of the vote, Harry, but you didn't have any opponents, so it's harder to, to uh, get 75%. My point is this. What do you think the public's attitude toward oversight is? Do you think that that 75% of the vote for Lori Lightfoot reflected a overwhelming support by Chicagoans for police oversight? I think that the mayor was elected um, on a number of key issues. And I think one of them squarely was civilian oversight. I think that was something that she campaigned on that differentiated her from other candidates. And um, after she was elected, she made the commitment to get it done in the first hundred days. Um, that turned into six months, that turned into the first year. Um, then we had COVID. Um, the short answer is that, um, you know, you make a commitment, so you have to stand by that commitment. And I think part of where we are as a city is that there has to be um, trust and leadership when we're dealing with a lot of these public safety issues. And when commitments aren't followed through on, um, it undercuts everything. So I think that, um, you know, this is, it's two years, we're past the two year mark. So I think that the focus 
you know, we're going to get this done. And I think that I hope that um, at some point the mayor will, um, you know, join that effort. Uh, I think it's important also to say that she introduced her own ordinance, um, I think a month ago, if not that, that also was in committee on Friday. I think one of the most telling things I would say is that um, that there was no effort at all to um, try to get that passed. So um, I think that tells you that um, there's not a lot of support there. Um, so I think, um, you know, we're going to continue to move forward uh, and, and try to get this done. What are some of the big differences between the ordinance that the mayor proposed and the ordinance uh, that was before the committee on Friday? What do you think it is, Ben? <laughs> it's control. It's control. I think the reality is, is um, one of the key aspects is um, one of the key aspects is policy. And some might say, well, policy is not that big of a deal, but it's critical for all the advocates involved with the empowering communities, public safety ordinance, you know, going back in, in the different forms, um, creating policy for CPD. Um, we believe strongly, I believe strongly, has to be voted on by a civilian commission. Because again, when you look at foot chase policy or warrant policy or use of firearm policy or camera policy, um, there needs to have the lens of civilians. And I also think that, and I believe this deeply, that when Chicagoans look at the policy that is created, um, they wanna know that there was civilians that were formed in that. Um, they don't want to have something that goes out and there's a 30 day response and no one responds. You want to have community meetings. You want to have people that are looking at it through the lens of residents on the West side and the South side and the North side. Um, so I think policymaking and who controls that and who ultimately votes on it. I think both ordinances have a framework where there's a great deal of, um, consultation and working together, which I think is important. You don't want to have you know, a policy come from left field that can't be implemented or um, will do more harm than good. But I think there's, there's, there's a lot of effort to have, um, you know, work done collaboratively. But at the end of the day, if there's a difference of opinion, uh, our ordinance says that the commission will vote on policy and that will be the policy. Her ordinance says that she'll make the final decision to be the arbitrator of that. And I think quite frankly, what it also does is, um, not just undercuts the policy that's made, um, it undercuts the legitimacy of the commission. If you know at the end of the day, and a CPD knows at the end of the day, that they can always go back and have um, whatever they want um, seconded and, and become the, the policy, there's no reason to sit down and talk. There's no reason to listen. There's no reason to collaborate and get to the best policy that serves Chicagoans well. That's what's gone on for the last 50 years. And for us to move in a different direction, it's more equitable and safe for everyone. Um, you need to have that civilian component and policy is critical um, on that end. Um, there's an interim commission. Uh, I think there's some differences on that. And um, the only other point that was brought up was um, trying to find a way for um, the undocumented to be able to participate in vote. And, you know, I look at that as, um, I don't look at that as a, a real argument. I think um, 
you know, the organizations that support um, the ECPS ordinance are broad-based coalition from every neighborhood, from around the city, every ethnicity. Um, it, it's a strong coalition. I think there's a lot of the Hispanic caucus, uh, the city council endorsed it, the progressive caucus, the black caucus, um, and some North side guys like me and gals like me. Um, so I think that, um, you know, part of this is encouraging folks to um, be empowered to vote and participate. But I think um, I don't look at that as a real, a real, a real argument. Uh, Harry, I know uh, at some point, Lenny, we're going to open this up uh, to questions uh, from the other people out there. So it's, it's not just me asking the questions. But before we do, I asked uh, Raylo this question, Alderman Lopez, this question today, and I'd love to hear your response. Uh, in, in terms of better and more effective policing, in terms of better more and more effective deterrence to crime, how would a civilian oversight board improve things in your mind? And why is it so fundamentally important from those two points? That's a great question. I think it's, I think it's fundamental on a lot of ways, but I think, I think right now there's a lack of, um, there's a lack of trust that has been long established through um, many cases of abuse, many cases of deaths. Um, and it's mostly in the African-American Hispanic community where there's been an over-concentration of policing. There have been young people who have been brutalized and that's not something that's occurred in the last four years. That's something that um, is, is, a, is a, a tragic um, scar on our city um, and deep-seated. And when you look at, you know, if something happens in our community, people reach out to the police, they reach out to my office, um, we work to solve it. There's a lot of places in Chicago where um, people are, have, don't do that. And they're fearful of calling the police. They're fearful. And what is that, I think, is exasperated um, the violence that we see across the city. So I think having a, a civilian perspective uh, with people that live in communities um, around the city. And the other part of our ordinance is the members of the commission um, would be seven member commission, uh, two would be from the west side, two would be from the south side, two would be from the north side, and, a, and a, the seventh member could kind of come from wherever. Um, but it basically builds in that we're going to have representative voices. It also has youth. Two, two of the seven members are, are uh, people that are 18 to 24. Um, so you're going to get a youth perspective. And I think when we look at the last year and the empowerment of youth, um, you know, they're the ones who are dealing with a lot of the violence or the ones who are being pulled over. So having that perspective. So I really think it, it, it will um, it'll bring community to uh, policing, which I think ultimately will help make it safer because I think um, I think for us to have a safe city, we ha have to work together. And I think trust is involved. If people don't trust what's going to happen, the decisions that are made, um, I think it's going to lead to um, the violence that we see. So I think, you know, we've seen how it's gone for 50 years. I think now's the time to take a step forward uh, to make us a safer city. All right. One last question before I turn it over to Lenny and everybody else. What parallels? This is another question I asked Raylo. What parallels, uh, Harry, do you see between the uh, opposition to civilian oversight of the police and opposition to an elected school board? A lot of similarities in my mind. Love to hear your thoughts on this. What parallels do you see? 
Um, I don't, I, you know, I've been kind of very focused on the work we're doing with this, but I think that, um, I think that it's, it's, it's people that don't want to see change and it's, it's control. And I think, you know, we look at where we are as a city. Um, I don't think that this is going to, I think this, this adds to safety and it brings people into the equation who, who need to be there. And that's Chicagoans. And I think that, um, I think that's critical. I think the other part is having confidence that people can vote on issues and trust who they elect. So I think uh, that's something that I've always believed in and uh, will continue to do so. I think the key word that you said, and I've underlined it, is control. Uh, but I'm going to refrain from getting on my soapbox because people are here to hear Harry, not me. Uh, Lenny, uh, you got any questions that people want to ask Harry? Yeah, we have a couple folks who are lined up. If you could introduce yourself, ask your question, and then we'll just go in this order. Colin, Joel, and Melanie, and you could pass the mic from there. Thank you, uh, Lenny. My name is Colin. I uh, am an organizer with Chicago Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression and the 48th Ward Neighbors for Justice, uh, which if you live in the 48th Ward, uh, we invite you to come and join us if you are interested in these kinds of conversations. Um, I want to thank you, Alderman Osterman, for your work on this ordinance. I know it's been a really long fight to get to this point. And um, and also thank you, Lenny, for uh, an indivisible for hosting this town hall, especially in this webinar format, which feels more like a town hall than a lot of the formats that we see when we come to these events. This feels this feels good. So, I I want to ask you, Alderman Osterman. You know, you framed this as Carper advocating for the removal, this piece on Friday, the substitute ordinance, as Carper advocating for the removal of the referendum piece. But really, in my understanding, what this is, is a splitting and not a removal. So um, what my understanding is, is that the substitute ordinance does not include the referendum, but the referendum is being introduced as a standalone bill where we can still have a mechanism by which the voters can decide if they want to have what we used to call CPAC and is now this referendum piece that includes democratically elected community control of the police. So my understanding is that the referendum piece that's gonna be introduced tomorrow is only gonna need 26 votes to pass and not, not the, the 34 that ECPS as a package needed before the substitute. So what I wanna ask you is as a member of the ECPS coalition, what are you going to be doing to work toward the passage of that standalone referendum piece of the coalition's goals? So um, it's a great question. And I think uh, the way you frame it is accurate. Um, the threshold for the vote on it, I think um, I'll leave that to the attorneys who are gonna draft it. Um, I think let's also assume that there'll be a veto of, the, of that. Um, I'm, I'm committed to voting for that. And I think um, I support it. I think I've supported that throughout the process and will continue to do so. So um, I'm trying, you know, right now to focus on the, the one we've got in front of us, uh, but understand uh, the effort that's gonna be put towards the referendum and do support it. Okay, I, I think I'm up next. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes, Lenny. I wanna echo very quickly all the thank yous to everyone that Colin put out there. Alderman Osterman, I have a very simple question. 
Uh, who I know that you just said that there are several people on city council who gave you conditional assurances that they would vote for ECPS and like under, under, some, under some circumstances. Who are they? Let's just say they're north side, uh, they're north side aldermen. So I'm, I'm working on them and I will, um, I think that what I would say constructively that um, many of you have reached out to them. Many of you have continued to reach out to them. I think uh, I'm working to secure their vote. And I think that if um, time comes where um, they're not supportive, I'm happy to uh, do that. But I think you look at the North Lake front alderman and the North side alderman, I think um, many of them have been supportive of oversight for um, many years. And I think uh, trying to wrap those up. Hey everyone, I think I'm up next. I'm Melanie from the 48th Ward. Um, thanks to organizers and to Alderman Osterman for being here. Uh, the weaponization of legislation and procedure for anti-democratic ends is a really common practice in our country. Uh, we know it shows up in gerrymandering, voter suppression laws, and recently in Chicago in parliamentary tactics used by both the mayor and Alderman Talia Farrow to manipulate when and how items are brought to vote. On Friday, we witnessed Alderman Talia Farrow inconsistently apply procedures to recognize his peers. It was very apparent that he used his power as chair with the aim of minimizing ECPS's chances rather than to fulfill his responsibility to oversee democratic consideration of a bill that has taken months of community effort. As vice chair of the Public Safety Committee, what specifically will you do to ensure democratic process within the committee? And how can community members engage in preventing these abuses of procedural power? So if you had a chance to watch the committee um, and you might even be able to go and get a replay of it. Um, uh, and I would even say before Friday, um, I've been pretty unabashedly trying to get this passed. So, um, you know, I think I sent, spent 11 years in Springfield prior to joining the city council or being elected in city council. Um, parliamentary procedures cut both ways. And I think uh, I was aware what they were trying to do uh, one other wrinkle that Ben will appreciate is that um, Alderman Riley, who is the president pro tem, uh, also joined the committee and has voting rights. Um, so the kitchen sink was kind of rolled out on Friday. What I'm going to do is, is in a very forthright way, work to get 34 votes and get it adopted in committee. And if not, I'm going to do everything I can um, through the rules to get it in front of the city council on the floor for a vote so that um, and all of you are going to be able to watch and, and see how that plays out. And it's myself, as well as a number of other people, another alderman who are focused on this. So um, part of, I think, what, you know, some of these games, uh, and I call them games, um, they're running out. And I think that we're going to have, um, we're going to have a clear up or down vote on this. And that's something that Chicagoans deserve. They deserve to see where everyone's at on the issue. So um, I fought it on Friday. Um, I'm going to get the votes by talking to people working with the, the coalition and we're going to have the votes and we're going to get it passed in the city council. Theodore. Hi. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, we can hear you. Hi, I want to thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Osman, for bringing up this issue. Let's thank all of you for 
participating in uh, trying to change the, the way some of the things be going. I suffer from, I've been suffering for over 20 years from privilege mentality. I'm uh, disabled, I have seven disabilities. And right now the, the system, the way the police works still, they still stop people from following police uh, reports or complaints about um, what they do. Like if one of them attack you, all of them uh, seem to attack you or discriminate to them. I had to go around 20 years ago, had to follow, had went to another country trying to follow um, uh, political sign because they were beating me that bad. But beating my legs, they were poisoning. And I, I made a report about uh, what they were doing about biological and chemical weapons. They're spraying stuff on me, the point uh, poison in the hospital, and they were uh, were extorting money for me. Now, uh, we uh, would like to find some way that somebody can make reports if they're suffering that kind of abuse to somebody in uh, the state or to the to the legislature that could stop a lot of abuse uh, that happens because they, if you, we tell you they're doing it, they're going to say they didn't do it. Like right now, I suffer from uh, uh, from uh, being poisoned. I, like I said, I have seven disabilities and they'll go to hospitals and not follow the report. I went to COPA. I'm, I mean, I had uh, like a lady told me like that didn't happen. And then I had like about 10 people with guns around me trying to uh, holler at me, trying to convince me I don't have health problems. Now I would like to some way the report help problem with, uh, without having people trying to uh, intimidate me or, or, uh, or uh, harass me while I'm trying to report them. It's very important that uh, these uh, situations get re reported and understand because I did mention about biological and chemical weapons and they totally lied about it. And some people are suffering from them. I mean, nobody wants an, uh, a pandemic or anything like, like that, but they used poison people or attack people like that to steal money from them, rob business, and then some other countries are here attacking people trying to uh, gain an upper hand on American business by stealing technology and the police that helped are helping them. Thank you very much. Theodore, I, I appreciate you telling all of us your, your story. And I think that if you, if you want to reach out to my office, um, call or email, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about um, yourself and if there's anything we can do to help you. I think your story is, um, you know, a story that unfortunately has happened elsewhere. And unfortunately, and this kind of goes to what we're trying to do. A lot of people are afraid to come forward. And I think, um, so if you ever want to sit down and talk about it, um, just reach out and would love to help you in any way we can. Uh, I think our effort is trying to make sure that 
the stuff that you're talking about doesn't happen uh, in Chicago. Thank you. Thank you. Thank we you. Have, do we have Marguerite asking her question next? Yeah, thank you, Lenny. Thank you, Theodore, and thank you, Alderman. Um, you know, I just would love to hear from, from you what you think um, can be done about the FOP. Like, even, even when this eventually prevails, which it seems like it will, uh, how does community oversight then have agent, agency over the union? That's a great question. Um, I think one of the challenges, you know, we have the contract that is being negotiated. And I think that there are provisions in there that um, we're trying to make sure are changed from the, the previous contract. I think there's a, there's a whole, that's a, a long answer. We could do a whole other call on that. But um, I think that the leadership of the FOP, especially the current leader who would typically come to city council pre-COVID with a, a Trump shirt on and uh, say a lot of vile things, um, that does not help things. So I think um, the contract is one thing, uh, leadership within CPD, training, the whole litany of things. And we have not even really touched on the consent decree. The reality is, is that CPD in our city is gonna be with the consent decree, fe federal consent decree to change how policing has happened. And we will not be underneath that without that consent decree um, until CPD changes um, their, their pattern and practice. So I think that we're in this moment of reform and it's in, it contingent on all of us to focus on that, um, but also civilian oversight is a key missing piece of that puzzle. And that's what we're focused on. And I think we're not gonna um, really move our city forward until we do that, that part of it. Thank you. I'll also say that I think adding diversity to the, um, the police department is another critical component. Having uh, African-American, Hispanic, Asian-American officers, uh, a diverse workforce where we have officers from communities uh, who make a difference. I think that goes a long way. Um, I think with, with establishing trust and really kind of reimagining how we um, provide safety in neighborhoods. If people can sit down and problem solve, whether it's a bad building or uh, another problem or, or come up with creative programs like after school programs for youth, um, programs like the BAM program that we've implemented in our community to help mentor young men. Um, there's other ways besides locking people up to address safety. And I think a lot of that we've done successfully here, but we've got to see that replicated across the city of Chicago. Emily? Hi, uh, thank you everyone for, for being here. Um, I just have a question about talking to, uh, I'm currently in the 44th ward, um, talking to one of those North Side aldermen, uh, Mr. Tunney. Um, I've been on the phone with his office a handful of times recently and I keep getting told that he really wants to see police reform um, we're really trying to get to a yes. We're meeting about it all day. We've been working, we've been working. Uh, we really wanna get to a yes. And then we get things like what happened on Friday where I felt like 
that was completely counter to what I was told. Um, I, I called again today and they were, uh, they said that it was an issue of having not enough time, even though it sounds like the changes were uh, very simple. Um, how do you, it, it, do you have any advice for how to um, talk to these offices, how to be trying to persuade from our side? Um, because I, I feel like all I get told is what I want to hear. And then I feel like I'm being set up for, you know, whenever the vote happens, uh, him just voting against it. Um, any advice would be greatly appreciated. Um, I was gonna make a joke about cinnamon rolls, but I won't do that. Um, I would say that um, I, I think write a letter or email him. I think, you know, um, communicate with him from your perspective as a constituent would be the best way I could say it. I think uh, we're having lots of conversations together. Um, but I think just reach out to him kind of from who you are. I think to me, that is the most effective way for people to communicate with their elected officials. But people do um, choose different ways to do it. But I think just kind of really reach out um, and be very direct and ask for his support on the ordinance. Okay, thank you. Let's have um, Joel, if you could give us some actions related to what um, Emily just asked. And also want to shout out to all the organizations that joined us on the call here, whether you helped to organize this event or you're here as a member. Um, I want to shout out to Indivisible IL 948th Ward Neighbors for Justice, Chicago Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. Chicago Therapy Collective, Anti-Racist Andersonville, Andersonville Chamber of Commerce, One North Side, and a slew of so many organizations, including Chicago Women Take Action, National Council for Jewish Women, Chicago Teachers Union, Jewish Voice for Peace, 50th Ward, United Working Families, SEIU Healthcare, Indivisible Chicago South Side, League of Women Voters Chicago, Extension Rebellion Chicago, Women's All Point Bulletin. And sorry if I missed anybody, I'm going to pass it to Joel, who's going to give us some action steps, and then we'll go back to Ben and wrap it up for the day. Thank you all so for real being quick, here. Lenny, if people want my newsletter, 48thward.org, send out a weekly newsletter, keep you updated on it. Um, sign up. So I'll make it very quick because I'm, I'm interested in hearing what Ben's last question might be, but I put a couple of different organizations and events that are happening uh, in our side, side of town, basically. So the rally is going to be tomorrow at the Thompson Center at 9 a.m. sharp. But in addition to that, since, you know, in the 48th Ward especially, we kind of have this unique circumstance where our alderman is already in favor of this ordinance. <clears throat> a lot of us have been turning our efforts and energies outside of our ward, specifically to 46 with James Kappelman, 44th with Tom Tunney, and the 50th with Silverstein, because all three of those alder people are within a stone's throw of us and have yet to commit to a democratic control of the police. So what I will say is as, as someone who's been canvassing on and off for this or versions like this for the past year, we are stronger together and people on the street are a lot more fed up than you think. So if you have time this weekend or in the next couple of weeks, I encourage you to reach out to any of these organizations, particularly to Carper, 50th Ward United Working Families, 50th Ward uh, uh, Action Network, 46 Ward Neighbors Against Police Violence, and also all the sponsoring organizations on here, including Indivisible 09 and 48th Ward Neighbors for Justice. Ben, the mic is yours. Just had to unmute it. All right, we'll close it down with this uh, question, uh, Harry, and which will expose my utter uh, 
jaded, skeptical attitude about Chicago politics that I've collected over the last 40 years. So please, uh, let's end with a little optimism, uh, Harry, and I really would love to hear you refute uh, and undercut and completely eviscerate the jaded, uh, cynical, skeptical attitude I have. I'm very, very skeptical, particularly on this issue after Friday's vote, that the Chicago City Council will ever muster the votes to override a mayoral veto on this. I'm very skeptical that the Chicago City Council could even get a majority of votes on this in the face of opposition from the mayor. Hold on, I'm going to shut my window. Subways, uh, the elevator is running, Harry. Um, and so, again, I'll start off where I, I'll end where I began. The mayor won with 75% of the vote, and she was a crusader on this issue. And now she's opposed to it. So in your humble opinion, Harry, you've been around in a while. You've seen uh, the city council act. Do you believe you can muster the votes to pass this ordinance in the face of opposition from Mayor Lori Lightfoot? Go ahead. I'll, I, I would say short answer is yes. And I think the reason is not because of me. The reason is because of where we are as a city. And the reason is because of the voices from people across the city. Um, I'll say that I started on this um, after the death of Laquan McDonald um, and after uh, the consent decree. But we, we had citywide hearings on this. Amundsen High School had one, but we had some on the south and west side where we heard, we heard people crying out for this. Um, those cries remain and have grown louder. And I think that the momentum to do this has never been at a point where it is now. Um, I think a lot of the um, fake arguments or false arguments against this uh, are being exposed as such. But the closer you get to something, sometimes the more difficult it is. What I will tell you is that there is great resolve to get this done. And whatever happens is going to happen in the full light of day. So. Um, it's the right thing to do, and uh, we're going to fight for it. And, and the truth is, I believe it's going to help make our city safer. So I think that, um, you know, we have not done this. We're going to do it, uh, and we're going to throw everything we can to get the votes needed. Um, and at the end of the day, 50 all of them are going to be called on to make a vote, and people will see where they stand. All right. Very good, Harry. Uh, Lenny, do you have any more questions, or should we shut it down? I think that we are really good and in a great spot right now. Um, I will also say that Indivisible IL-9, we were focused on the federal level when we first started four years ago, but realized that local was where it's at. And so we did endorse in the mayoral election and we did endorse Lori Lightfoot. We also know all of her campaign promises we're absolutely around um, this issue and we're still waiting for a transformational, transformational change. Um, but in this moment, we don't see her leading and we don't see her following the community or the youth who are saying that this needs to get done. So we're looking for city council to step up and lead and, um, and thank you for being here to answer all the questions 
questions from your constituents. Um, I want to thank Ben Jarowski from the Chicago Reader. Um, please, everybody, support independent um, independent news media. Um, Chicago Reader was the first alternative news weekly in the nation. Uh, we should be proud of that. We we have so many things to be proud of in Chicago. We know that um, we have a lot of work to do in Chicago, and we also know that we can get this done if we stick together. So I'm very proud of all the work that the 48th Ward constituents have done, not only in this ward, but exporting to every other ward in Chicago. Uh, we need everybody to show up when they can, where they can, how they can, because uh, we need everybody. We need everybody from the outside um, shouting, and we need everybody from the inside doing their jobs. And with that, we're gonna end for today, um, this town hall with uh, Alderman Harry Osterman, thank you all for being here. Please do share into the chat anything that you want us to follow, um, any social media handles. And we hope, Harry, actually, we hope that you, we can get your commitment to come back to a town hall and talk about uh, the consent decree. Uh, we just want, want to remind people that this um, ordinance is a part of the federal consent decree. Um, this ordinance is a work in progress from 10 years, decades, Decades, right, accelerated by the killing of Laquan McDonald and um, the federal consent decree that was imposed. Um, this, I mean, in this moment when we're in the middle of the pandemic and people want to go back to the way things were, we say no. We know that we can do better. Um, and so we're looking to our elected officials, we're looking for leaders to get this to happen. So thank you for being here. Um, everyone, we're going to stop the live stream now and we hope that you. You will join a neighborhood group, um, join your, your uh, chamber of commerce if you're a business person and get to know your neighbors. This is what we need to do. We, we keep us safe and we're gonna continue to do that together. Thank you all. All right, I stopped the live stream. Thank you so much everyone for sticking around until the end. Thank you, Alderman Osterman. Thank you, Ben Shrofsky. Thank you to all the organizations who um, helped put this town hall together. Harry, did I get your commitment that you're gonna come back and talk about the consent I'll come decree? back and talk about whatever you wanna talk about. Housing, RPM, public transportation, crowded beaches, whatever you want. Perfect. Thank you, everybody. We're gonna end this Zoom call now. Have a great night. Take care.